Parenting's hard, you don't know what to do. You're blaming your kids, but it's probably you. You love your kids and that you can trust. Just remember your kids don't suck. Welcome to your kids don't suck. Cultivating closeness with your children through non-coercive conscious parenting. We're your hosts, Kara Tedstone and Rathia Lee. Let's dive in and grow together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to your kids don't suck. And Kara and I are jumping out of our skin with joy and excitement to be here because this is a brand new podcast that really came to us and it's just flowed and it's been so easy. And we are here to support parents who want to do something different, who sense that there is a different way to parent their child than the norm, than the societal agreement that we just need to control our kids and make them behave better and work so hard rather than work in collaboration with our beautiful, smart and brilliant children. We have stories to tell you, we have thoughts and ideas, and we are really falling in love. Kara and I are like friends who are falling in love through this focus. Um, Kara found me through TikTok and she said, I have this vision, what do you think? And it was exactly where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And so since then, we are like on the phone all the time talking about non-coercive parenting, conscious parenting, gentle parenting. And um, basically we sound like a podcast. Like if you listen to our calls and our messages to each other, like we are so in the material, we are, we are a walking, breathing podcast. So now we're including you, we're making it official, buckle up, you know, get your questions ready. And we hope to answer them over the long haul. We're gonna make a bunch of podcasts, but this summer hopefully we'll make three and we'll launch and we'll all learn together. Thank you, Rithia. I, I so agree. It, it's so funny. It's so serendipitous how all this happened, you know, and, and us living in, in the parenting that we do, like when we're talking back and forth, it's, it's always, wow, we need to put this on the show. You know, we have so many episodes and I think that that is so true for us, that we are just a walking podcast, living in the parenting, talking about the parenting, sharing our experiences. It's been so great. Do you want to say how you found me or like how you came to contact me? Yeah. Okay, sure. I'll talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, obviously TikTok is sending you videos all the time, right? Of, of what it thinks you're into and always mine is parenting. It's just me watching parenting videos all the time. You know, I have a one-year-old, which I'll, I'll do a little intro to myself in a bit, but I've got my one-year-old. I'm always thinking about how I want to show up as a mom that's been living in my heart for for before uh, much longer than being a parent myself. My whole life I want to show up for kids. So TikTok knows this. Somehow it knows and it sends me, you know, your your profile Rathia um months ago. I don't know when you kind of blew up on TikTok, but I started seeing your videos Gosh, it was winter time because it was so cold and, you know, I'm on TikTok more in the winter and you started showing up for me probably in December around then. And I just fell in love with your content because you were speaking about non-coercion in a way that I have never actually heard. Like before I found you, I didn't know what non-coercion was. I didn't know it was a thing. I was living thinking about how parents kind of tend to treat their kids like shit a lot of the time noticing this and me not wanting to do that somehow TikTok found out that you were speaking to in your content exactly the type of way that I want to parent and I'm striving to parent. And you had all this language 
And I was like, oh my God, she's doing what I'm trying to do and she's sharing it for free. And obviously in my work, I'm, I'm a therapist working with clients, young and older. And you were sharing all of the, the type of work that I do with my clients just out here on TikTok. So it was a beautiful platform that I felt was like, it, it would just, it spoke to me, it reached me, you know, through the algorithm. And then I just had to reach out to you personally. I had to connect with you to see, okay, you're doing exactly what I'm thinking. I am trying to do, striving to do. I want to learn more about with you. I want to talk about how we do this work with our clients too. How can we maybe reach other parents who are wondering about how they can do this as well? And this approach that feels very, to me, inaccessible and not articulated in the gentle parenting space. But you were really the person that I found out about this world through. So that's why I reached out because I was like, well, I have to talk to her and I have to find a way to work with her. And then when we met, like you said, we decided, well, let's talk about it together and do a podcast. Well, Carrie, you're you're naturally doing non-coercive parenting, which is amazing to me. And it makes me wonder if there are lots and lots of parents who are doing it differently in their quiet little homes, you know, just like not following the rules, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm wondering uh, because, you know, the, what happened on TikTok that was so shocking is I was feeling like I was alone and weird and different and people were judging me all the time. And then when I started making uh, videos about it, hundreds and hundreds of people have come out of the woodwork saying, I agree with this. This is what I want. I want to change. I, I'm so drawn to this. Thank you so much. You're naming something I'm already doing or I never heard of this. I feel like this is what I've been waiting for. You know, just a whole community has arisen is that a word arisen and um and that's been so healing for me and so I feel like this is the next step I feel like I prayed for the next step and you you invited me into the next step it's so beautiful because it's like when I wrote when I reached out to you I thought like you know we were working you know in our own practices clinically it's like we don't have time we're both parents it's just the fact that we were able to sit down and actually just talk about, for me, this is like I've said before, it's like kind of like my life's purpose, it feels like, is to really talk about connecting with kids, working collaboratively with folks, showing up as a better person, right? I think that's like something that I am so deeply connected to this idea of. And then, you know, the fact that we're available to do this, to carve out time to talk is hopefully it's going to speak to people. I hope we'll have some listeners, but ultimately... My goal for this is that people will, will re like, it'll resonate with people, you know, just in general, what we're talking about. I, I think that brings us to our next thing, which is why we called it Your Kids Don't Suck. Mm. I think we should both try to articulate why we called it that. Okay, so it's tongue-in-cheek, right? That's the point. Your Kids Don't Suck came to you, right, Rithia? No, it was you. Was it I me? said parents suck. My parents suck. And you were like, how about your kids don't suck? And I was like, oh, that's so much better because I don't want to be judging parents so overtly. They're not going to want to be listening to this if they're like, oh, I'm already judged. Even though your kids don't suck kind of points to the parent being in deep judgment, which is very common. And, and you know, it afflicts so many parents that they are judging their children because mm -hmm. the children are not acting, behaving, and becoming the person that they had in their mind. Yes. And that is tormenting for parents when they can't control their kids, which they can't. I mean, they try, they try, they try, they try, they punish, they give consequences, they give rewards, 
they withhold love, they criticize, they nitpick, and you still cannot make your child be the person you have in your mind. So mm. that's partly why it's called your kids don't suck because guess what? It's not about your kids. It's, it's about you. Also, I think you said something about the judgment that parents often find themselves feeling around judging their kids. I wonder if it's not often. I wonder if it's unavoidable. I wonder if all parents feel that way at times, oh. that we, we find ourselves judging our kids inadvertently, expecting them to align with the values that we have, and then therefore that manifests in judgment at times. For me personally, I, I just want to say, be honest, I felt that way about my one-year-old. And my, my kid, my daughter, she's 14 months old, and sometimes I, I have. This is a place, I think, where we need to be vulnerable and, and share with people to hopefully cultivate a, a relatability, but... I have judged my own daughter for being loud or why is she so fussy or shouldn't she be more calm or she's hard to please. Like I'm labeling her out of, out of fear and out of lots of uh, triggers, right? Feeling triggered myself and, and feeling pain and feeling confused and wanting things to be different or easier. I think that that's something that I wanted our name to reflect. Of course, on the surface, it is tongue in cheek. It's supposed to be attention grabby. What's this podcast all about? Underneath all of that, though, is this affirmation, I think, to us parents that if we felt in that place of judgment, that place of wishing things to be different, that's okay. It's a gentle reminder that our kids don't suck, though. You know, we might judge them and want them to be different at times. I think that's part of being a human. It's part of the struggle. And being the conscious, the conscious part of non-coercion is being awake to that, is being aware of that. Hey, I'm noticing, you know, that I'm, I'm thinking my kids should be easier and I can catch that and I can reflect on why that is. And then I can do the work that is the non-coercive piece, the allowing her to be who she is. Really the mindset that comes with this is the reflection, the constant commitment to growth and to be that safe space for our kids. It's all part of the name. Kara, you said that so well. Yes, it's a <laughs> mindset. I love that. And and for our listeners, we're, we are both therapists. Um, I've been a therapist for 28 years, and we're both going to tell you about our histories and our what we're doing with our lives. But, you know, so we are both in the paradigm all the time of working with people who are working on themselves. And that's so much what non-coercion conscious parenting is. It's about the parent committing to their own process, which mm. is, as you know, whoever you are, it, you know, it's the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, it, it is. It's, um, this brings us to non-coercion. Like, what is it, right? And just before I say that, I think that non-coercion is what the biggest question is of all of this underneath the mindset of, okay, right, I'm with you. Yeah. I want to sort of respect my kid. I want to meet them where they're at. How do I do that? And then you're faced right off the bat when I share this with people who aren't familiar with this term, non-coercion sounds really, really out there. I think we want to share with you this definition, what it really is to help folks get on the same page, I guess, with what it is that we actually end up doing, right? We want to show up with our mindset, of course, um, and to allow our kids to be who they are, but how? And I think that's what the non-coercion is. Well, okay, so I'm going to read a, a definition of non-coercion that I wrote, that I'm happy with, I'm excited about. And I just want to say, I think it's out there, the word non-coercion is out there, is because there's, there's universal denial mm. that we are coercing the shit out of our children. Mm -hmm. There's so much universal agreement that we are allowed to make our children do whatever we want and no one can tell us differently. That is the party line. 
pretty much 99.9% of parents would agree with that. Like, yes, it's my kid. I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of parents literally have no idea they're coercing their child. They really don't know. So that's what this whole thing is about. This podcast are going to be about is bringing all of that to light so that you can look at it and look at it for yourself. Mm. Here's a definition of non-course of parenting that I wrote. Non-course of conscious parenting, what is it? The word non-coercion is a confrontational way of saying that we are stepping out of the collective agreement that children are less than equal to adults and that we can make our kids do whatever we want them to do. Traditional parenting practices are built on using the inherent power of the parent to control, suppress, and force children to act and behave in certain ways through punishment, rewards, consequences, threats, manipulation, and other varying acts of harmful coercion. Non-coercion parenting speaks to what we don't want to do anymore. It's non-authoritarian. It's decolonized. It's breaking down domination behavior. Coming out of a power over mindset allows for a shift into conscious parenting, which is a relationship focused dynamic with our children, where they are considered equal human beings, equal in value. Their opinions matter just as much as ours. Their wants and needs carry just as much weight and they have emotional, physical and mental autonomy. The emotional bond between parent and child becomes the priority over all other concerns. Collaboration becomes the base of how we relate and connect with our kids. And this is a whole field of study. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And how does collaborative parenting function? This question is the basis of what we will tackle on this podcast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about conscious parenting. Conscious parenting points to the parents having a conscious relationship with their parenting, their triggers, their history, memories, traumas, dismantling their belief systems, their patterns of self-hatred, and being willing to break the cycles of how we were raised. It's about parents developing a process for which they examine their own conditioning. Even though almost every culture will tell you that controlling your child is good parenting, it actually creates separation pain, and lifelong power struggles. If you are drawn to non-coercive conscious parenting, you probably intuitively sense that there's a way to be close with your child to create loving communication that has mutual respect. You probably sense that joy can be shared, trust, and play without the daily agony of using force on your child. There is a world of learning needed on the part of the parent to show up for our children's feelings, struggles, interests, learning styles, creativity, and essence, who they are. That is what this podcast is all about. So buckle up and let's grow. It's just incredible the way that you're able to sum all that up. And I love too this last piece about like, they're noticing that they want what's deeper to the traditional parenting agenda, which is we want to help our kids be functional. I'm doing air quotes, right? Like successful, functional, contributing members of society. I know Rithia and I, that's not where my interest lies at all. As conscious parents, we're looking for long lasting closeness to be a safe space for whoever the hell our kids are, because as you've mentioned so many times, we don't actually control them and we welcome that. 
We really welcome this idea that our kids are individual human beings that are here to teach us and guide us and mentor us actually and not the other way around. And I'm really trying to cultivate a lifelong closeness with my child. And I think if you're on our show, that's what you're hoping for too. Not just to get them out. You know, you hear all the time, let's get them till they're, we've only got to do this for 18 years or whatever. Absolutely not, right? We are lifelong seekers of closeness with the people that we've brought into this earth. Well, and also it's not mutually exclusive. I actually believe the the more attached you are with your child in a healthy way, the more they thrive, the yeah. easier they express themselves, the more they love themselves, the more loving they are to other people. I mean, it just happens naturally. Yeah. You know, when you focus, focus on making your child a good citizen, I mean, that's so problematic yeah. in a, in, in the system that we live in, in a, in a capitalistic uh, patriarchy. Yeah. And, and just to say, we are going, and we'll say this at the end, but we are going to also bring on guests who have other aspects of this work, pieces of this work that we don't have. Mm. And we'll say more about that at the end. We want to share who we are because I think it's so important to acknowledge that like I'm a therapist and Rathia is a therapist and this work that we do in our parenting on triggers, I think that that for me has also been um, easily seen, I guess, as the foundation to how I want to raise my kid because I'm exposed to this day in, day out with clients, right? Doing that work, mm-hmm. helping people understand their um, inner, like connect to their inner children to um, unpack their experiences, the messaging that they received as kids. That was one thing Rathia and I really connected to immediately to each other on a call is of course, like not only are we doing this work with with our children, but with clients, helping them to understand how this impacts them. So that's just one thing I think that is worth mentioning considering the information, you know, the, the psychoeducation, I think that sometimes is required. That That's why Rathia calls this, it's a it's like a, it's an entire field of study, right? Yes, um, yes, it is. It yeah. takes years. It takes years. I mean, I'm, I'm in my sixth year. I'm in my sixth or seventh year of non-coercive parenting, and I am still learning, learning, learning all the time. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have so much to say about it's like undoing racism. It's like undoing sexism. I mean, this is undoing child oppression. It's, yeah. it has, it's just as deep. It's just as historic. There's so much information. Absolutely. And, and it's hard to find. It's hard to find the information because most people agree we should not give children autonomy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I guess to like start off with my bio, that's why this is so, it so speaks to me because mental health, like in general, is sort of a new discovery for a lot of people realizing that, oh, their relationships impact how they navigate their triggers. People are only now learning this. And so, like, as a therapist, it's all so connected into why I'm so passionate about taking my parenting to this place. I've been working with kids and families. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I was saying to you, Rathia, that I was always kind of like a, a nurturer of children, I think, um, inherently, like intuitively. I, I used to babysit young kids. I was like always the person that like my friends and younger kids would kind of look to for. I was always like wanting to be a safe space for people who I felt like were maybe vulnerable or needed some guidance. And so I became a teacher, but now I'm a therapist and I am a mom to a one year old. 
And now I really practice collaborative, non-coercive parenting with my husband, but I tried really hard to do that sort of approach with um, students before I was even a therapist, and that was very difficult. So I also sort of want to acknowledge in my bio that it's like, I haven't always behaved this way, you know, in the context of things like schools or organizations that prevent people from seeing children in the way that I would want to see them and would ideally like to treat them was very difficult in schools. And that's actually a big reason why I left education, because at the time I was thinking about being um, a school counselor and trying to support kids in um, the education system. I thought that's where I'd want to spend my time. But I very quickly realized that I couldn't actually practice collaboration, non-coercion in schools. It it Mm -hmm. actually was impossible. I I actually could lose my job for doing that. So it was it was not in alignment with what I wanted to share with parents and with um, young people. That kind of brings me to this place of now I'm a parent and on the Internet. Right. I was having trouble finding a parenting approach that's based in trauma research, that's based in rejecting the notion of authority in parenting. And so then when I found Rathi on TikTok, that just put words to my thoughts and feelings about how I wanted to show up. And so here we are, you know, I reached out to her and then we felt that this is the thing. Our clinical work and our personal work is an enmeshment of ideas. Then we we created this show. And so Rathia has so much previous prior works that, you know, you'll be interested to hear about it when she talks about herself. And I've only written one little thing. I do have a, a reparenting journal that I've created that's available for parents but most of the work that I've that I've done in non-coercion is in my clinical practice with with parents and helping parents figuring out how folks can navigate these challenges with their kids in a collaborative non-coercive way that's supportive to everybody getting their needs met but with respect at the and the relationship at the center great Kara um let's see I have an 11 year old daughter who was born you know, full of power. Like she is a powerhouse. She is so alive. She's so creative. She's wild. She's my teacher. Um, I am divorced since she was two and a half. And that was a huge trauma for all of us. And so a lot of my non-course of tools uh, came in to help her heal those traumas. And now me and her live with my partner of eight years, Will, and we're a a very loving, playful, problem-solving, negotiating household, which you'll learn more about. Um, So I have two co-parents. I feel very lucky. And let's see. So what happened for me really quickly is that I just, you know, dabbled in TikToks, not much happened. I made a couple of parenting TikToks, thought it was kind of cool and interesting. And then I went out to dinner with some friends and this person said to me, hey, I've been watching your parenting TikToks and and then you stopped, like what's going on? They were really changing my life. Can you please make more? And I was like, oh, really? I was like completely shocked. So I went home after the dinner and I went on a walk and I filmed myself talking about the heart of what I believe in. And that video went viral. Um, So now a million people have watched it. And it's when you go viral, like you just get all these followers. And then all of a sudden I had a platform. So I started making videos every single day. And that's because I've been a performer, um, a performing artist my whole adult life. Well, and even when I was a teenager, I love 
performing. It is so, so fun for me. And it's, and I don't, and I, I'm always channeling, challenge, channeling, challenging, challenging myself and channeling, uh, really provocative topics. I've always been doing that because I am a trauma survivor. I'm a trauma survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And I've been healing that for as long as I can remember. And it is really, really hard. And so I often make one woman shows about the healing process and what it's like. And I write music and songs and books. Like I'm just kind of exploding. I have been for a really long time. Um, and so <laughs> I have a lot to say. I am a therapist, a trauma therapist for 28 years. I work mostly with survivors and I do a lot of childhood work with people and inner child hearts work, which I really love. And I can tell you confidently that people heal. Mm. People really, really do heal. That's why I love my job. Mm -hmm. I help people organize the healing process and figure out how to know what parts are doing what and how to have a loving adult and how to connect to spirit. And it really works. It really works. So I, you know, I've healed so much trauma. My clients have healed so much trauma. And then our kids come along and they just provoke our deepest, deepest wounds. That's what they do. And that's somehow for some stupid reason, how it's designed. Mm. <laughs> that's how human life is designed that our kids come and they bring up our deepest unresolved issues and we can either push against it and control them or we can open mm. um so i made this online show while my daughter was growing up i think i started it while she was three it's called advice from a loving bitch it's on youtube it's a 20 episode um curriculum helping people heal patterns of self-hatred and each episode is about 10 minutes long and is on a different theme. And it explains healing the inner child and externalizing the self-hating voice. And I really can see that that whole series, which is free and available to anyone, has prepared me for where I am right now. Mm. Like it really taught me how to synthesize and also use humor to help people wake up mm -hmm. i feel like my work is like it's like tricks people through laughing and being absurd to open mm. and then they learn and i love doing that and i do it and i do it because i'm also like TikTok has changed my life like being able to articulate what i'm doing with my daughter and what i believe in systemically yeah. is changing my life it's so amazing and my bio in comparison <laughs> i'm like this is brilliant this your bio is incredible would you talk about your partner a little bit? Yes. Great. Thank you for asking me that. So Will is my partner. And I would say that when, so I don't know how long we were together. We got together when Tori was like three and a half. My daughter is Tori. And then we were together for a while. And I was a somewhat, I was probably a gentle parent, like a mm. somewhat coercive I really understood feelings. Mm -hmm. I really understand that my daughter needed to have feelings and I needed to play with her. I'm really good at playing with kids. I love kids. Mm. Um, but I also believe that I should just tell her what to do and make limits for her all the time. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, she didn't let her eat sugar and she wasn't on screens. And, um, you know, I, I limited everything. I was yeah. controlling everything all the time. And then I, um, I guess I'm getting into my, my non-coercive story. Should I? Well, anyway, let me get back to Will for a second. I met this love of my life and he was, I decided at some point while we were still together that I was going full on non-coercive. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let her eat whatever she wants. I'm going to start like following her lead. 
I'm going to negotiate with her. I just, I just started changing the whole thing. And he was very shocked and very confused. And it was a long journey. Mm. I mean, he, his parents are, are his whole lineage is teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, and he never heard of this and, you know, and so it was a lot, it was a lot in the beginning and then slowly, slowly, slowly watching how incredibly effective it is for closeness and for creating a family environment of, uh, real communication and and he and Tori got closer and closer and closer the more that we all embraced this lifestyle and now I would say we're fully on board he's fully on board and in a lot of ways he leads huge areas of our family learning so now it's not like I'm pulling him along now it's like he's like taking charge there's a lot of times where I'm so triggered I can't see straight and he has to step in and be like you're really triggered right now and then my daughter's like yeah you are and then I'm like okay I'm gonna go take a break and he takes over so he helps me sort of hold the line Mm. yeah I love that you talked about the partnership because we have the same thing in our house and because I'm also in that space of like noticing feelings and doing all of the feeling stuff, it's like very difficult for me when I'm triggered to get out of that. Like I'm into the feelings place and I'm trying to express like myself. And even with my one-year-old, you know, there's not a lot of conversation between um, myself and my one-year-old if I'm feeling triggered because I'm obviously trying to step into self-regulation. But my husband does the same thing. You know, he's really good at stepping outside of the, okay, like, yeah, I'm an outsider, but I'm also aware that like this is you you engaging with her while you're triggered is not supportive so he is able to step in and get me out you know do whatever he needs to do to kind of help me leave or step out for a second to regulate and then he's able to step in and support her in the way that is supportive and I think that like that is so beautiful when a lot of us we come from families me myself that wasn't always an option like it was like parents were a united front I think and a lot of parents believe they should be and actually what you said about Will and my husband Sanjay like he's kind of there to not support me when I am triggered and not engaging in the way that I know I need to to be a non-coercive collaborative parent and he's actually breaking down that idea that we need to be a united front in the best way yeah, because united front means child is alone. Child has no ally. Absolutely. Child can hold reality all by themselves in their little brain has no idea how to make sense of it. It's yeah. terrible. It's, it's really damaging and mm-hmm. scary. Um, I think so much of my healing is about gaslighting. Like, I, you know, nothing made sense. And so, so much of my healing has been having to learn how to validate myself and believe myself. And it's been years and years and years and years and years and years doing that. I mean, gosh, that's so unfair. I feel like so much of my creative performing work is also activism. So obviously I'm fighting oppression towards children. I'm working with adults and I'm fighting, uh, you know, abusive patriarchal patterns. Um, but I think it's also important to say, because I am your, your guide in this process, me and Kara are, but just that I'm, I'm constantly and consistently doing work around uh, whiteness and racism and my uh, my place there with my privilege and 
constantly putting my work in a context and knowing that I am absolutely not speaking for everyone and learning about how to keep being called in and calling myself in and, and inviting people in who can speak to the places that I can't. And that's so important for anyone who is being public and having an opinion. Like we have to know where we fall short. We have to know where we are absolutely not speaking for people who, with different struggles. Mm. So I just wanted to say that. By nature of, of the intention of this work, we have to include other folks, other voices, and we have to be activists. We have to actively refute what the messaging is universally, I think, which is control. Well, also, it will force you to become, if you, if you are interested in this lifestyle, it forces you to do your work around systemic oppression. Mm. I mean, I think it does, because it's not just about what we're doing with our kids. It's about how our kids fit into the whole system and how Mm -hmm. we fit into the whole system. Hopefully, hopefully you'll see yourself that way. And this, you know, it's very provocative that way. Okay, so we have a couple of questions for each other that we're going to ask, and we have not heard the questions before, so we kind of wanted it to be a surprise. I will go first, Rathia. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. My first question to you is, can you share one of your favorite memories or moments that you shared with your daughter that you feel emerged entirely because of this approach that you've taken in non-coercion? Wow. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I'm, I'm with my daughter all the time. You know, she's homeschooled and we're around each other a lot. And last night, I think she was up till two in the morning because she had Starbucks at like seven o'clock. Okay. And so she couldn't fall asleep and she likes me to like lie there and help her fall asleep. And then I leave, but I, um, she couldn't fall asleep. And so she was wanting to talk about everything. I mean, everything that she could think of in her life, things that she's, oh, at some point, Kara, she said, she's like, mom, in the world, like everything that's happening in the world and we're supposed to just go on, like none of this is happening? Mm-hmm. And I said, like what? She's like, like global warming, like we're, and she brought up all these like major like planet issues. She like named them off. I can't even tell you what they were. They were she was talking about poverty and starvation and, and, and then the weather. And I mean, she was, I mean, she was on top of it. I was like, I really, really hear you, honey. I know it seems crazy that we're all just going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is happening. And she was like, yeah, and we're kids and we're growing up in this. And, you know, she was, my kid is 11. She's so freaking deep. She's mm-hmm. so deep. And she's tapped into like the planet and what's happening. And I feel like, non-coercion is the reason that she shares with me like this. I know that it is. I know that it is. And then at some point, you know, I was like, sweet, I have this really big day tomorrow. I really need to go to sleep because I'm doing this podcast. And she kept being like, mom, I'm so sorry that I'm keeping you up. And then right before I went to sleep, she goes, mom, you are sweet and loving and funny. That is oh, no fun. You are sweet and loving and fun. I was like, sweetheart, that is the sweetest thing you've ever said to me. And she hugged me like a million times. 
And this is because she doesn't feel controlled by me at this point. I mean, it's been a long journey, but now that she feels that I truly respect who she is, she just opens like a flower. It's the mm. best thing ever. I, I can say this is the best time of parenting I've had wow. this last year. Wow. Hands down. It's like all the things that I was told would happen if I let go of controlling her have come to be. Yeah, it's uh, emotional for me to hear that because it reminds me of how clients will feel when they share with their therapist, right? If we're, we're supposed to be and we aim to be as therapists, creating this really just trusting therapeutic relationship that is uh, allowing of, of people to be whoever they are. And that is what you're doing with your daughter. That's so funny. Right? She said to me, Mom, you're a good therapist. Yeah. <laughs> she said that to me. And she was talking because she thought I was doing a really good job listening to her. It's beautiful, though. It's like that's what everybody probably wants. I mean, I, I feel like most people want that, right? They want that closeness in some capacity. Well, I this think is we pay people to be our therapists. Exactly. Exactly. And and I guess like uh, your answer is so beautiful. And it's like, I, we have another episode coming about what what the promises of non coercion will be, right? What what it actually can give you. But that's a big one is unconditional closeness. It's safety. And it's that is such a great example, like those words that she chose to describe you. Like, it's just really, it's like she really sees you. Yeah. She really sees you and she just, she doesn't just love you because you're her mom. You know, it's beautiful. I, I got to tell you about her seeing me is most people have this really major false belief that if you quote unquote, let your child do what they want or, you know, whatever they want, they will become entitled, spoiled, mm -hmm. selfish children. Mm -hmm. And it is the exact opposite. All right, you ready for your question? I'm ready. Okay, what do you think is your personal biggest obstacle to being a non-coercive parent? What, what, what is the thing that gets in the way the most? It's this feeling that I have of judgment. So here's my thing, because I know in non-coercion, it can feel like, is this even going to work? What happens if my kid hates me? Like what, you know, is she going to, is my kid going to end up spoiled, entitled, all that? I don't actually think that that's going to happen. Like, I, I actually really trust non-coercion. So I don't, I think that it's going to be, however my kid is, I'm okay with that, is essentially what I'm trying to say. My fear, though, my obstacle to doing it is the judgment from other people. I am very acutely aware of how I, I feel I'm perceived. Like, I, I think perhaps it's also a huge part of my self-hating voice, right? It's showing up in public. So that self-hating voice, my inner critic, is saying, Oh my God, the people in the grocery store are looking at you because you're not telling your kid to be quiet. Oh my God, your friends are going to think you're, you're a shitty parent because you let her do whatever she wants or whatever, or you're not getting your kid in line. And it's like, that is my inner critic. It's almost like my inner critic maybe is worried all the time that other people are going to think I'm a shitty parent. And my biggest, I think, challenge with parenting in general is that I, I actually would really love it if everybody thought I was a great parent. It's wanting, it's just wanting approval. You know, it's wanting folks to to look at my parenting and say, you know, she's doing a great job. It's wanting the validation and the acceptance. 
And my biggest obstacle to doing non-coercion is that I am actually not controlling my kid ever. So when things happen that are challenging, like out in public and other people can see, it's difficult for me to show up in the way that I know that I want to non-coercively. It's funny, you know, I do these parenting mentor calls and I was just talking with someone yesterday who said that her kid kind of yelled or like said, get away from me to these two younger kids. And then the other parent came over and said, my kids' are fe feelings are feeling really hurt. And she knew that the parent wanted her to make her kids say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, I didn't know what to do. So I did. I started to say, why didn't you say you're sorry? You should say you're sorry. And then my kid was like, nope, I'm not saying I'm sorry. And so she was asking me about that. And I was helping her see, no, he doesn't have to say sorry mm -hmm. if that's not what he's feeling. And you can say, oh, I'm sorry that happened. Model that for him. And, you know, this is, it's a bigger, it's a much bigger, longer discussion about non-coercion. But it was more, when we broke it down, it was more about what this mother over there think of than her actual child. That is it. And I just want to like, I, I don't know if Rathia, you ever feel that way? Kara, are you kidding? Okay, me? good. Because I almost like I'm like maybe Rathia never feels that way. Oh, oh my God! I have to say I have PTSD. I, I, I don't know. Now I'm like, why did I bring my child to so many parties? Like yeah. what was wrong? I was just I was just desperate for love and connections. So right. I kept bringing my child, and it was just like, you know, a lot of a lot of her being very rude to me in front of other people, and a lot of people judging me for years and years. And one time I had a friend actually lose her shit and say, "You're." Your child is so difficult to be around. Like, it like broke me. No, it that's like broke me. That is awful. That's exactly what it is for me. For the um the answer to your question about like what's the obstacle? It's that I'm in that moment of judgment. I'm feeling the judgment. I notice it. I am pushing against actively the instinct to lean into whatever the judgment is pushing me to do, right? So for instance, I'm at the grocery store, I'm, I'm, my kid is really very loud, is trying to get things off the shelves and big mover energy. She's a toddler, that's toddlerhood for you, but I'm getting looks from other parents and I'm in my head, I'm going, they want me to tell her to be quiet. They want me to tell her to shush. I should tell her to be quiet. I should tell her to shush. That's what other parents do. Yeah. And I'm pushing against the urge to do that. So it's very exhausting for me because I feel like it is always there, that judgment or that, that perceived judgment. Maybe they're not judging me. I don't, I'm not a mind reader, but the perceived judgment is there. The instinct to then go with the coercion and go with the controlling and do the authoritative response is there and I have to then say, nope, you're a non-coercive parent. We don't do that. We let her be who she is. That's what you want. That's how you want to show up. And I have to have this dialogue for every time I like experience this and it's really exhausting. And that is my biggest obstacle because sometimes I do do the coercion because I'm unable to, because I'm exhausted or whatever, or I'm really triggered, but it's not really an obstacle. I think it's just being a human being. So it's, it's part of the process. Well, also, Kara, it has to do with the fact that parents have no support and we're on our, our little houses and it's unnatural. We yeah. don't have our communities. You know, we're, we are we are parenting in isolation with no support and then parents get judged. It's insane. It's our system. It's not yeah. just human. It's it's the way that we're living. Yeah, you're right, actually. No, I think that that is it. It's it's not, yeah, it's, it's not the way that I innately think. I think you're right. It is actually the judgment, the perceived judgment, all of those voices. That's messaging, yeah. Yeah, because also you want to belong and you want people to support you. And I'm sure people are listening and like, oh no, are you telling me you have rude children? Rudeness is like the big thing, like the fulcrum for all the authoritarian behavior on earth. 
that is what made my TikTok go viral as I was talking about rudeness. Oh my God, that just like, that's what it was. That's like the nerve. Okay, here we go. What is something you're wanting to learn more about in this work? Like what is something that you may still be struggling with and you feel like you need more perspectives on? Good. You know, so I didn't get to say this yet. I've been really wanting to say that the whole reason I do non-course of parenting is because of this incredible person named Vivek Patel at MeaningfulIdeas.com. That's his website. So I started watching his videos two years before I decided to go non-coercive. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, and then one day my daughter started sneaking candy into the bathroom and I caught her. She's um, five. And I had been already watching his videos and my mind was like, oh no, like she's already starting to hide things from me and she's five. Yeah. Like something's very, very wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, saw, I sort of looked down into the future mm -hmm. and I could that it was just going to have to be more and more and more control. Yeah. I was going to be going the way that I was going. And I was like, that just sounds like hell on earth, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. And I decided to like fully embrace his, his work and his approach and his mindset. I love that word mindset. And I don't really remember how it happened, but he ended up being part of my life. <laughs> and we are now really, really, really good friends. I'm trying to think, how did that happen? It's kind of like you and me. I like right. reached through the internet and I like, hey, and I told him I'm going full on with this. And I think he had never met anybody at that point who was like willing to fully do it. Oh, like, that's fully. cool. Yeah, he said he talked to lots and lots of parents who wanted to do it a little, you know? Interesting. I didn't know that. That's cool, Rathia. I was the first person who said, I'm fully, I'm going full on. I'm not going to control her eating. I'm not going to control her screens. I'm not going to control her bedtime. I'm not going to control what words she used. I'm not going to, you know, I just, I was like, I'm going for it, you know? And then of course it was, so, um, you know, when you, when you first decide to stop controlling a child that you've been controlling, it is like an explosion because they start just being like, really? And they just want to test every edge that you have taken off. They're like, oh, you're not going to control this. Well, then I'm going to stay up all night and I'm going to eat all the sugar all day long. And then I'm going to watch screens until my brain falls out. You know, like they just start testing all the boundaries and that's what happened. And I was like terrified. I felt mm. like I was losing my mind. And Vivek started letting me call him regularly and coaching me and text with him. And he like, he like talked me through it for two years. That is so amazing. And then he came to visit me. Oh, I didn't know that either. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Well, I know about him obviously now through you and he, he's like this amazing sage. He's just got this incredible knowledge and wisdom. Well, he can do, his daughter is 26. Yeah. Twenties. So he, he did it from the day she was born. So it's 26 years of non-coercion, right? So, but so my point is, I just, just, just sent him a message like two days ago. And I said, can you say stuff about boundaries? Because that's what parents say. Like whenever I talk about non-coercion on TikTok, everyone goes, well, you need to have boundaries. Well, what about boundaries? And everyone says everything about boundaries. And so he sent me a whole voice message about boundaries that blew my mind. Um, and he was saying that, you know, parents use the idea of boundaries to control the children, of course. And he said, well, he says in it, why don't he says to parents, why don't you set a limit that your child doesn't want you to set? And then when they're crying, ask them how they if they feel safe. 
he mm. was saying that people would say, oh, we need boundaries, that children are crying out for boundaries, and that they want boundaries in order to feel safe. That's what everyone says. Everyone says it. And he said, yeah, so make, make an arbitrary boundary for your kid, and then while they're crying, ask them if they feel safe. Yeah. And he said, no, they won't feel safe because they feel controlled, and they don't feel seen, and they don't have a voice, and they don't have a choice, and, you know, basically, it's hurtful. Um, I don't know. I'm going to send it to you, Carrie. It's it's amazing. But I still feel like I need to understand how to break that down to explain why control is not boundaries and why boundaries is not. Uh, it doesn't give you a free pass to do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, bedtime is a, is like I'll just use bedtime as, as an example. People say, "No, I have to get my bed, my kid to bed by eight because they have to get up and go to school and blah blah." blah. And that's boundaries, and you need that because otherwise, my my child will fail at school and go to school exhausted. And you know, people have these huge reasons why they tell you that their kid has to do it that way. And I want to be able to speak to that. I want to get better at being able to say, you know, like brainstorm with them why. <sighs> Just laying down the law. Because I always say, well, have you asked Have you asked your child what they want? Exactly. Have you been able to collaborate on a solution to this need yeah. being met, met right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Because that's it, right? It's struggling with this. Everybody would agree, right? That parents struggling with the fact that they have needs and we have needs. And then everybody assumes, like me and you have talked about this so many times, everybody assumes that it's, well, it's, well, I'm the parent, so it's my way or the highway. And it's like, no, it fucking isn't, right? It's like, you literally can collaborate with your child. I do it all the time. My kid is 14 months old. An example of how you collaborate with her? For example, diaper changes for a 14 month old. She's also like, she uses the potty as well, but... Of course, going to the potty or doing any sort of transition, okay? So, like, they don't want to get their diaper changed because they're involved in play or they're involved in, you know, a, a moment that is theirs. And so leaving that time to go do something that is for me, which is a need, I want to change your butt because I don't want you to get a rash, the child's not interested in that. And so, obviously, all parents of young young children, we all know at a certain point, children hate diaper changes. It's like a universal thing. So my daughter, same thing. I will not look at that as an urgency type of need. Okay. I don't look at a diaper change as needing to happen immediately. Like as soon as I notice that it needs to be changed, I don't hold urgency culture as a reason to set a limit, but that's kind of my general approach. And so how I then do that is I navigate that situation with her instead of like making her do the thing. Cause I feel mm -hmm. it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So I talk to her about it and I've been doing this since she was like, born i mean uh obviously i guess until well she didn't hate diaper changes or you know object to much of anything really when she was an infant infant but it happened pretty early on where she didn't want to get her diaper changed so i would give her options and i would ask her like oh do you want to listen to some music while we do it should we sing muffin man should we read a book should we like let's play together i would i would do a whole silly monster thing i would make it fun i would put the diaper on my head like i would get her involved in the process instead of like doing it to her and I do that for everything that she objects to oh, and Kira, I love what you're saying yeah like I really believe in play and lightness in all aspects of my parenting I I really believe in like allowing her to feel and giving her the space to not want to do the thing if it's not an emergency then it doesn't need to be done right? It doesn't need to be done in that moment so like a diaper change or anything she objects to if she's not wanting to go in the stroller I wear her if she doesn't want to ride her bike, she doesn't ride her bike, we play in the yard. Just if she doesn't want to leave the park right now, we maybe, I ask her, do you want to go on swings? Do you want to do sandbox? Like, and she, she can tell me yes or no. I find a way to meet her need too, which is maybe 
being distracted during the diaper change or needing a snack before getting in the stroller or whatever it is. I just don't force her to do anything. I just really hold collaboration at the front of my mind. That's how I navigate things like limits or boundaries or whatever it is, expectations, like things I feel like if I notice that that thing coming into my mind, that's like, you need to do this. I actually get curious about that. Do I really though? Because that says something about why I'm triggered. And that gives me more insight to me and how I respond. So the the stroller thing was very triggering. I'm sure we can talk about this on another episode. But her not wanting to be in the stroller for very long at times has been very hard for me. Because I feel like, well, we got to get to the place. Or we got to get things done. And all the other babies, they want to be in the stroller. Why isn't my da-da-da-da-da? And I realized, like, that what a, what a ridiculous approach to coerce her to get in the stroller. I could literally just wear her. Or I don't have to go right now. I can wait. And we can play a few minutes till she's ready. I bet that there are a bazillion parents who, when they know their child has a poop or a pee in their diaper, feel intense amount of urgency to change it. I, yeah. I, I just have a sense that that's probably a huge trigger for parents. I think it is. I've heard it before. Cleanliness is such a trigger. Yeah. I did a whole TikTok on this about, about uh, you know, making kids clean up and oh my god i got so much so much so much engagement about people saying yes you have to make your child clean up and then all telling all of me the reasons why Mm -hmm. and being adamant about it and very um defensive and very righteous i think the whole thing about being clean oh my god just triggers people so deeply and you know this is one of those situations where this is why we call it conscious parenting where the parent has to stop and look at what's going on for them and it's very hard it's very hard and it's very slow and that's another thing where it comes into you know the perceived judgment right because if i'm child in the store that's screaming and i take them out immediately then i go to perceived judgment everybody's looking at me everybody's saying i'm reinforcing the tantrum and it's like i have to actively push against that and say no i'm not no, you're not, Kara. You're responding to your kid. And I'm allowed to wear my kid. If I want to wear my kid, I'm allowed to. Sometimes I don't have the freaking carrier. So I hold her, which is annoying and hard for me physically. And it does, you know, I have to work. Like you said, it's work to lean into acceptance of that. Yeah, I feel maybe shame creeping in about like, oh, here I am. I'm going to be seen as that person who's giving into their kid all the time and I'm spoiling her. But I have to actively push against that and remind myself that it's okay. And the other day I did that. I She didn't want to get in the bike that she has for leaving the park. So I held her. And it was great because we actually, I was dropping her, you know, into my arms. You know, when you do the, oops, I'm going to drop you. Just kidding. Ha ha. And we had such a beautiful like 10 minute walk home together because I was doing that. She was belly laughing. And I wouldn't have had that moment if I forced her into the bike and took her body all rigid and shoved it in there and strapped her in and said, no, you're getting in, you know, we have to go home. I wouldn't have had that beautiful moment of play and connection. And she wouldn't have like kissed me all over my cheeks at that time. Right. Well, it's the same thing as last night. I mean, I could have said, look, I have a podcast tomorrow. I'm leaving in your room and I'm going in my room and you can, you know, just go to sleep when you're ready. I mean, there's so many ways I could have punished her for staying up till two in the morning, but instead she was telling me all of her thoughts about the world and telling me how much she loved me because I was willing to just open to it. Yeah. I wouldn't trade that for anything. And that's what makes it like a, a years long practice because you're right. You have to constantly talk to yourself and tell yourself it's okay. It's so deep and hard. So I want to ask you my next question. My daughter, Tori, I said I had to ask you two questions. And she said, oh, can I ask one of the questions? I said, sure. So her question for you is, what are you scared about 
what's your fear about being a non-coercive parent? And maybe you already said it, but I don't know if there's any new aspect. This is like hard to say, but my biggest fear is that I will like lose people in my life to this. I am really worried that people will hear this or they'll, well, they're going to see it in my parenting anyway, right? The close people, you know, my people, my day-to-day people, my friends and, and, you know, my family members, right? I'm worried that they're going to like reject me because they don't agree with what I'm doing and that they're going to talk about me behind my back and that there's going to be like this toxicity that I sense or that is there and maybe I don't notice it, but that's my fear, right? Is like my, my fear comes in and says like, everybody's going to think that you're an idiot and you're actually going to end up like not just maybe losing people through this um, unspoken way, right? Like naturally sort of dissolving of relationships, but that you're going to actually get in conflict with people that you're going to end up having to argue with them, that you're going to end up having to like fight for this and, and get in all these arguments and, I just, I don't want any of that. You know, I'm, that's my fear is that Tori is, is a genius for this question. Cause you know, it is, it is so scary. Have you lost people? No, because I think it's too early probably for anyone to really see it. Right. Like obviously I'm doing this show and now people in my life might listen to it, but ultimately yeah. as like a mom to a young, a young baby, what's sort of accepted um, more so much more so than non-coercion obviously is attachment parenting, right? Responsive parenting when they get into toddlerhood and they start having those, you know, behaviors that society hates non-conforming and big feelings and all of that. That's where I think it'll start to become really apparent that I am very different. And I don't think that's really shown up yet for most people. I think that I still kind of parent as like, like I look like, I know one person said to me, Oh wow, you're a nice mom. So I think people might look at me as like this nice, loving mom or whatever. I hope <laughs> at least, but they, I don't think I'll, I've lost anyone yet because I don't think it's really become apparent if that makes sense. Yes. And you, and you also might lose people that I do think I will. I honestly, I think that it's probably going to happen. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've lost people. I, I don't, I didn't lose people, but I definitely felt really judged for many, many years. And I would say there are some, you know, there are some huge non-coercive fights that I know they're core. I don't I know I get into stuff with my ex-husband that that's where we get really into our, our dynamic where that things get hard. Yeah. And so, Oh, Vivek said that he lost lots of people in his life. Wow. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, it's 26 years later from when he started that. I, I like to think that things have really changed. Yeah. And I think, too, that, like, talking about the fear actually provides me with a different perspective on it, that there's a an ability to see that fear as self-protection, right, from sharing it. Like, I feel like in that fear, yeah, sure, I can be worried that I might lose people, but also that if I lean into that and actually maybe invite the conversation, and invite curiosity and wow, you're, you know, I might say to them, oh yeah, you're doing things really different than me. Hey, wow. Interesting. Yeah, no, I do this. You know, I can actually share it a little bit with people. I don't have to keep it so closed, but I just realized that now. Good. That's great. That's why we're doing this. I just want to say now that my daughter's 11, I, I'm, I've told you this recently, but I am not really that affected by people's opinion anymore. Right. That is because she's grown into a sensitive, caring, right, 
empathetic. Right. You've got like the evidence now, right? No, I have the evidence. I didn't have it. I, right. have I didn't have it for five years. She was hitting children. She was having tantrums, three hour tantrums. Mm. I mean, it was so intense. And uh, no, I didn't, I didn't have the evidence. I just had Vivek saying, you're doing great. Blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, oh my God, sometimes we'd look at each other, me and my daughter would look in each other's eyes and she would cry in my arms and I would feel so connected. And I'd be like, this is right. Mm -hmm. I would feel our connection. I'd be like, this is right what I'm doing. Mm. She's open to me. This is absolutely working. And then we go back into the shit, you know, like mm. yeah, back into the daily grind, back into the hating on myself. Yeah. And so now, like, you know, it's cool that you and I are in different phases. I think it's kind of perfect. I do too, because it, it acts as like a sounding board for, well, I know for me, because I can kind of look at you as this like, okay, you've been there, right? And I can like say things like, here's my fear. And you can kind of come back to, oh, I was there too. And look now where I am. And I don't know where my relationship is going to go with my kid. And that's the point. It's just so helpful to uh, hopefully for our listeners too, to have like people in different stages of this, yeah. still doing the work and still having the daily grind, but having different experiences daily too. Yes. And, and for people listening, it's okay if you're nowhere near this. Mm. I mean, I listen to Vivek's podcast for two years before I decided it was anything I wanted to open. So like, it's okay just to mentally start to understand what's possible. Yeah. I love that you said that, that like brings a big smile to my face. Cause absolutely. Like you don't have to jump all in, right. You don't have to do what, like you said, Rathia, you did, which is like, I'm dropping no. everything. I'm dropping the rope on all the things, you know, no, people don't, you have don't have to do, have that. to do that. Don't have to do that at all. It's literally just like, join us, join us um, in, in this conversation. And let's see. Well, just, you know, people ask me on TikTok, but what do I do when my kid has to go to school? What do I do when we have to get to a doctor's appointment? What do I do when my kid stops brushing their teeth? You know, and I have I have some ideas about all of them. Right. But really, it's not about a formula and yeah. it's not about even a strategy. It's yeah. about um, an intention to see your child as a whole human being with a huge amount of feelings and impulses and desires that are equally of value to yours. That, if you just start there, if you just start there, that will make a huge difference. A world of difference, I think, yeah. Wow. This has been Your Kids Don't Suck. You can find me, Kara Tedstone, at www.karatedstonetherapy.com and on Instagram at Kara Tedstone Therapy. On my website, you'll find links to recommended readings and a link to my Reparenting with Mindfulness workbook, available now on Amazon. You can find me, Rathia Lee, at www.rathia.com. That's R-Y-T-H-E-A.com. There you'll find published books, articles, and music, and parenting videos. Also, I'm on TikTok at Rathia Lee, on Instagram at Rathia Lee. You can book parent mentoring sessions with me through my website. And also I have an advice from a loving bitch YouTube show that helps people heal self-hatred and that's Rathia.com slash advice. It is important and essential to put our voices, Rathia and Kara, in a context. We are two white, cisgendered, straight, middle-class women living with financial and societal privilege. Because of this, our perspectives are limited and do not reflect the realities of all of our listeners. This podcast will feature guests with expertise around conscious parenting who differ in race, class, abilities, sexual orientation, and histories from us. 
to broaden the conversation and reflect the lives of as many people as possible. 25% of the proceeds of this podcast will go to creators of color who have been mentors and influences on our work and in our growth as parents. If you like our show, please subscribe and stay tuned for more conscious parenting advice and insights. And check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash your kids don't suck to donate and connect with us.